So, if you've decided to make a separate entity, what are some very critical things that you must do no matter what entity you are working with? Whether it's a corporation, an LLC, CES Corp, doesn't matter. What are some of the most important considerations that you should pay specific attention to? Well, the number one and most important thing, absolutely and hands down, is documenting expenses. This is probably the thing that most people screw up on. And there's a very specific reason in an earlier lecture I make exactly clear how easy it is to document receipts in a simple, systematic, cloud-backed-up process and in a way that you can actually segregate your expenses. See, the most important thing, in my opinion, is documentation. Even if you accidentally use a credit card and that credit card was, uh, you know, let's just say your entity uh, Y corporation, right? And you accidentally use that to go buy groceries for yourself. That's a mistake. And it's actually, in some cases, illegal if you're using, uh, let's say, trust funds because you personally didn't have enough money, so you took an illegal loan. These are really bad things. But if you had enough money, that is, you weren't illegally borrowing from a corporation and commingling funds, and a mistake like this was made, you documented it properly, what do you do? Well, this, this let's say it was a $50 uh, you know, grocery purchase becomes a loan to Kevin, and then what does Kevin do? Kevin writes a check or does a you know bank transfer over of fifty dollars to this entity and pays off that loan. Right? Look at that. Accounting just cleaned up a mistake, and the reason accounting was able to clean up this mistake is because of proper documentation. If we all of a sudden saw $50 for Trader Joe's, we're like, well, I don't know, was that for an office party? Uh, we don't have a receipt, we have no way to document it. Auditor comes in and you know it's the IRS or whatever, they're like, what, what are all these purchases to Trader Joe's? How do I know you're not just running all your personal food expenses through the corporation so you could take tax deductions on it? This smells fishy. <laughs> and then what do they do? Well, usually if you take deductions you're not supposed to take, they disallow those deductions and then they make you pay a penalty. Now, and this is good to know too, if you hide income, like you don't declare income, and they find out, you go to jail. That's bad. That's fraud. Now, writing something off you shouldn't be writing off is still wrong and you get a penalty for that. Uh, but it generally doesn't rise to the degree of fraud. I mean, it can. I'm sure there's, there's a scenario for everything. But generally, that's what you see. So you see uh, expenses that are misappropriated get, get disallowed and then you pay a penalty plus the tax that you would have owned. But anyway, number one is document because you can fix so many of these issues. Now, ideally, ideally, number two, you separate. And so what that means is you open up a separate bank account. Bank account. And you have a separate, uh, therefore, checkbook for this, right? So you get checks for this company. You get uh, maybe even potentially a separate credit card for this business. Now, what's actually really cool about this, and we'll talk more about this later, is if you have a credit card for your business, it might actually show up under your business's credit uh, profile, so to speak, rather than your own. So if you personally go to qualify for a home, it is now separate. So separate bank account. And now all of a sudden you personally fund 
$10,000 into your new business venture. You spend money and money comes in, everything goes in and out of that account. Same thing with that credit card. That credit card is paid off from money that's sitting in that business account. And really the only time there are transfers from this account to you is when you're getting a distribution of income or you're making an investment into the business. All right, so now you have a clear separation. Because see, people are very worried about liability protection, but then they don't do the basics that actually let you preserve liability protection. See, if you ever get sued, let's make this very clear. If you ever get sued and you go to court and somebody claims that you damaged them, all right? They're suing you for, let's say, a million bucks. Do you think they're just going to sue the Y entity? No, of course not. They're going to sue the Y entity, which may be where you had the business relationship with these folks, but guess what they're also going to do? They're gonna sue you personally, and then they'll sue your wife or your spouse personally. And then what will they, what'll they do? Whatever other entities you have, they'll sue those too. Because all you're doing is taking the same lawsuit, slapping on somebody else's name onto the top, and serving that entity the same copy of the lawsuit. Well, maybe it might be a second copy. It's like, here's one for your entity, here's one for your wife, here's one for you. But it's all the same print with the same names on it. You see what I mean? So it takes the plaintiff, the, the, the suing attorney, no extra effort, basically, to harass all of your entities. And now, when you actually go through with a lawsuit, which is a terrible thing to do, we'll talk more about that in different lectures, but if you actually go through with a lawsuit and you ever get to a deposition, you have to prove, or your representatives, like your accountant or whomever, has to prove the separation of your books. Prove that your entity is actually operated as, an, as a separate entity and not just you under the veil of an entity. And this is what in many states is known as piercing the corporate veil, where a judge says, dude, you're not even trying to be separate. Your Y entity is just a pseudonym for you. We're gonna pretend you don't even have an entity. And now you've done all that crap and building the entity and whatever for nothing because you didn't document and you didn't separate. So critical, so critical to have separate entities. What else can you do? Well, some things that can help you, this is a little bit more minor, but I would say uh, your systems and procedures or standard operating procedures, right? Your manuals, employee handbooks, employee contracts, everything, different names for different entities. On top of that, what's another thing that you could do? Different insurance policies for different entities, right? Different insurance policies is, is a good sign that you actually have different entities. For example, if uh, you have Entity Y that does photography and Entity X that does websites and you get a cyber insurance policy, you get a cyber insurance policy separately for one and separately for the other. It has one name on it and it gets paid from that separate bank account. Same thing for the other one. Separate bookkeeping, separation of funds and separation of expenses and separations of how you're reporting taxes. Now all of these entities might end up flowing through you on your IRS 1040, right? You could have that entity Y, that entity X, uh, and maybe you have your sole proprietorship over here, you know, maybe this is an LLC, maybe this is an S Corp or whatever. All of these can provide you with flow through taxation, but if you actually want the shield 
that an entity like an LLC or a corporation can provide you, well then you actually have to operate them separately. Again, documentation, number one, most important. Then, separate bank credit card, separate loans, right? Separate funding, separate systems and procedures, separate insurances, very important. Now, sometimes you'll even have, uh, again, separate employee agreements, separate invoices, separate contractor agreements. All of those things would naturally be separate. Uh, another easy thing that you could do, and, and we'll just, you know what, we'll continue writing the list. What's another easy thing that you can do? Uh, separate website. That's really easy, right? Separate emails. If you chat with employees at different companies, you separate your chat. Uh, what else do we do? You have separate contracts, right? We talked about that. Uh, contracts. Uh, some people go as far as having separate phone numbers. Separate phone numbers. That's, that might be a little bit more extreme, but you could have a corporation phone number and you could have a phone number for yourself, right? Uh, some people go even a step further and will literally have dedicated devices. So what we'll call them D devices where they say, okay, I only work on this one company on this computer. I think that's dated and kind of stupid, especially since so much is done in the cloud today. Like, for example, if you use Google Cloud, you could just Gmail switch to a different account and now I'm in this entity and now I'm in that one, right? Like, that's pretty dated, but that's something old school that some folks used to do. Uh, partitions, if you have a server backup of what's in the cloud, which we'll talk about as well uh, in a different lecture, well, hello separate the partitions. You should have one partition for, uh, uh, for, for your, your storage backups for uh, company Y, one partition for company X, one partition for, for you know, your, your personal items. Those are just simple examples of how you can separate things. That goes a little extreme though. You might say, you know what, I don't need to go that far. I'm just gonna have a backup of everything and if it's bundled together and it's secure for me to access, that's okay. I don't know. Ultimately, how far you go is up to you. These are just some examples of how ultimately you prove that you have separation. And the way you prove it is a way you never want to prove it in front of a judge or a jury if it ever came to that. So there is no black and white. It's just what people perceive. So you're convinced you'd like to start a side hustle, a new business, some form of new venture and you're really excited about not only the opportunity to write off business deductions, but to grow your funnel of revenue because ultimately everything is about growing your revenue, keeping your expenses, often deemed your operating expenses, low so that way you can walk away with more profit, which you can then reinvest into the business if you want or spend on friends, family, and vacations, right? Now, what about an LLC? Should this entity right here be an LLC? Well, most would argue that you should have some form of entity protection. And the reason for that is if you have assets in this entity, like a business, and this business fails or creates some form of excess liability, where let's say this business creates a $10 million mistake and the assets of this business are $5 million, you don't want somebody from the outside world potentially saying, well, I'm going to now sue you as an individual person and take away whatever assets that you have. 
and so, or potentially try to, right? And so generally the argument is that you should separate your business ventures from yourself. And this is where the first question I generally believe you should ask yourself is, what's your net worth? If you have business assets that are worth zero or very little, and you have personal assets that are worth zero, and you're potentially barely uh, uh, getting by starting this new business like most new entrepreneurs, should you be operating this as an LLC, a separate entity, filing potentially separate tax forms, dealing with the filing fees of having the LLC, dealing with the headache of having all of these, these separate buckets, so to speak, a separate insurance policy and all this? Or should you really just operate as a sole proprietor, keep it simple, stupid, and get yourself insurance? So that way, if your sole proprietorship ends up making a mistake, that is you as an individual make a mistake, you have some kind of insurance to separate you from your side hustle. So uh, that kind of insurance could be errors and emission insurance. That's known as E&O insurance. That's when your professional opinion was actually a mistake or potentially led to some liability and the E&O insurance protects you. Maybe you get into a car accident and your car insurance protects you but you overextend the limits and so you use umbrella insurance to protect you. Maybe you have an employee who slips and falls and hurts themselves so you have workers comp to protect you. Or maybe you have some form of a general liability where you make a mistake and it ends up injuring somebody. And so your general liability insurance steps in to protect you. And so this is where you have to ask yourself, when you don't have assets, when you're beginning, does it make sense to go through all the stress of setting up all these different entities if you don't actually know if you're really going to be a revenue driving business yet? See, a lot of people are serial LLC filers. They go out there and they have 10 different business ideas and they create all these different LLCs and they register them and they register their trademarks and they all this stuff. You don't have to do any of that if you're not making money. If you're not making any money, what do you need an LLC for? If you're not making money, what do you need a fictitious business name for? If you're not making money, what do you need a trademark for? What are you protecting? You're not protecting anything because your business isn't worth anything. You have no money. And if you have no personal assets, that makes sense too. Now, look, if you had $10 million of net worth and you're like, hey, I'm going to start this risky business, well, duh, do it in an LLC because it would take a fraction of your net worth to go set this up. In fact, you'd probably just text your CPA and go, hey, file this, and 2500 bucks later, you have it because you've already got that connection. But for somebody who's just starting out, that's a lot more complicated and usually becomes a big distraction and a delay for somebody starting their business. Well, the reality is the first and most important thing to think about when you have no assets is get assets. Get assets to protect. Then worry about protecting them. Build wealth, make money, and then you can perfect all of these things. Look, this is not to say that you shouldn't get legal advice and tax advice. It's just to say, look, if I'm going to start a Matterport scanning business, am I really going to set up an LLC and do all this stuff first? Or am I just going to call a bunch of agents and say, hey, can I go do some Matterport scanning for you for free or 100 bucks a scan? And I go do the scans and I send it to them. That's how I'm going to start.
because if I have no money, you got nothing to take from me anyway. I'm just trying to make a buck out here. Nobody's, the odds of somebody trying to sue you when you have nothing are next to nothing anyway. Sure, it could happen. But look, there's so many safety nets in America. My point is, you should get any kind of roadblock that is discouraging you from actually starting and launching a business to see if you can even drive revenue before you go crazy over all this stuff. Am I really gonna get E&O insurance for my first Matterport scan ever? What if I hate the business? Then I just bound a policy for a year for nothing. Am I really gonna get cyber insurance for my Matterport scanning business before I have any revenue? Am I really gonna get uh, uh, you know, a general liability policy in case somebody trips on my tripod for my first five scans? Come on. Like, now we may as well be walking through life in a bubble because we're so afraid of everything we're so afraid to even go make 500 bucks out there. That's crazy. Start your business first. Make money and make changes over time. This is a very important lesson. Everything you do in business, in my opinion, until you have a substantial net worth, should be focused on launch, make money, revise. And then guess what you do? Repeat. You repeat the process. Because the way you expand a business is you launch, you see if you can make money, you make revisions because maybe people complained or the product or service wasn't as good as you thought it was and so you had to do some more improvement to it. So you revise and then you relaunch. It doesn't mean you have to like close a company and restart it. It's just now we've got a new offering. Now we got a new website. Now we got new business cards. Well, man, you can get new business cards every six months if you wanted to. Oh, darn, my last business cards, it was slightly off-center or whatever. So what? Distribute those, and when you order new ones, fix it. Probably nobody else is going to notice or care. Anyway, so this idea of perfection is something that in business has got to go. And the point of this lecture is not to try to discourage you from having entity protection or legal protections or insurances, and it's not trying to discourage you from doing what you should be doing to be perfect. Instead, it's trying to encourage you to launch first. Always launch first. Then, make money. Prove you can make money. And if you don't make money, don't revise. No money means kill. So if that test fails, you kill the project. It's that simple. You launch. Doesn't make money, kill it. Launch makes money, revise. Repeat. Launch with entity, make money, revise. Repeat. Launch with new insurances and new business cards, make money, revise, and so on and so forth. This is the growth cycle of business, right? This is growth. Very, very important. But if your business idea makes no money, kill it. Get rid of it. Kill bad ideas so fast. Otherwise, they will make you waste all of your time chasing your own tail, making no money, and not getting ahead. And then you end up becoming somebody who goes in circles on entrepreneurial ventures, tinkering around on ideas. You're making less money than somebody who, you know, has a $50,000 a year salary. You're making less money than them at the end of the day, and you're probably working more hours than them. What's the point of that? Average work week for uh, for workers in America is about 38 hours. 
Average entrepreneur works about 55 hours. And the average entrepreneur doesn't necessarily make more money. It's because the average entrepreneur usually fails at understanding what's actually the top priority of the business. Launch, make money, repeat, revise. L-M-R-R, repeat, repeat, repeat. There you go. Hopefully this is helpful. And we'll talk about entity protection, actual entity protection, once we grow in the next videos. Let's go.